going to talk about monks, it's the kind of the same thing. Like uh, economically in Europe, say like in France and England, the most educated people were monks and nuns. They could at least like read and write. They drove the economies of those areas. All right, it's Liquid Gold where we do shots. Shots? Would anyone like a shot of Benedictine? Today we are covering the ultimate marketing myth slash delicious liqueur. Benedictine today here on Liquid Gold. My name's Mike Wolf. And I'm Kenneth Dedman. And we are back together. It's so great to be back with you, Kenneth, here talking about one of our favorite things, Benedictine. This is Monks of March, our promotional juggernaut for uh, for no reason. Okay. <laughs> but uh, Juggernaut. Just to, just to have fun and talk about monks, we've got chartreuse coming up. I think that'll be in a few weeks. Plenty of chartreuse content. And we're going to talk about some of these amazing beers that are made in monasteries as well. Uh, as always, email us liquidgoldpod at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram at liquidgold underscore pod. You can go back to a lot of the really fun recipes and, and uh, shows that we've done this season. We've covered chocolate with Scott Witherow of Olive and Sinclair. We had uh, our last episode with Derek Diggs, the bar manager of Willie B's. Fascinating story from Ghana to America, back to Ghana and back to America. We've covered uh, coffee. We've covered a lot of chocolate stuff. We've covered brunch cocktails. And now we've got one of our favorite things. Kenneth, what do you love so much about Benedictine? Because I know you use it in cocktails. You freestyle with it. Yeah, I use it in a lot of shit. I like it because it's uh, number one honey flavored, which goes really well with any citrus, especially uh, lemon juice, Mm -hmm. uh, which you have to have lemon juice. And I'd be damned if I'm going to juice lemons and not, not fucking use them. So it goes really well with that. It's herbaceous. It, it tastes it tastes medicinal, and sometimes that's good. that's that's all I need to feel better. But more importantly, it's it's fucking boozy, dude. It is what forty percent, eighty proof. Right is, for a liqueur, yeah, for it's kind of high. It's outstanding. There are, there are very <laughs> few liqueurs that hit that mark, and I mean, chances are if you if you find one that that has that much booze in it, I'm gonna be using it. I want to hear some of your concoctions that you've made with it in just a little bit, but let's just get into real quick, since this is a shots episode, real quick on what this is. This is a French liqueur. A lot of people trace it back to something that was made in the 1500s by the Benedictine monks. However, this uh, current, when I say current, it's uh, about 200 years old. This current iteration of Benedictine was created by yeah, <laughs> there you go. Was created by Alexander Legrand, a wine merchant in 19th century France, flavored with 27 fla- flowers, berries, herbs, roots, and spices. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got an amazing old vintage Benedictine poster that we're going to post that's just incredible um, from the 1930s. Now, some of the ingredients have been uncovered for Benedictine, more than I thought, Kenneth, as I looked into this. Uh, there are 21 of the 27 herbs and spices that are publicly known. Those are angelica, hyssop, juniper, myrrh, saffron, mace, fir cones, which kind of threw me but makes a ton of sense given the kind of forest floor aromatics and that kind of Christmassy flavor. Yeah. Um, 
some other ingredients, aloe, arnica, lemon balm, thyme, coriander, clove, lemon, vanilla, orange peel, honey, which is one of its main signifiers, and red berries, cinnamon, and nutmeg, leaving uh, about six unknown ingredients. Mm. So I might guess, you know, rosemary being one of them. I always get a little bit of rosemary. Now that could be from the fir cones. Um, Benedictine also produces B&B, which was... uh, Got really popular kind of mid-century, as it that's, was sort of a the first bottled cocktail. It's <laughs> also only in the American market. So this was the 1930s. Um, as people started blending Benedictine with brandy, they decided, hey, why don't we just bottle it for you? They were bottled at, uh, it was bottled at 43% alcohol, 86 proof, but it's now uh, 80 proof. They, uh, in 1977, they started producing a coffee liqueur called Cafe Benedictine, and you can only find those vintage bottles now. They don't make that anymore. There is a Benedictine single cask, which is like Kenneth and I's Holy Grail, that is only available at the Benedictine store in Normandy, France. So whenever we can get out there and pick that up, we will do that. Kenneth, you know about some other interesting uh, liqueurs. Produced by monks. What can you tell me about that one you were just talking about before we started? Buckfast? Bro. Yeah. Buckfast? You never heard of Buckfast? Oh, my God. Well, uh, Mike Buckfast is a uh, is a fortified tonic. Uh, mm. uh, I believe it's like uh, the Abbey. No, I'm already on board. <laughs> the Abbey that it's made is, uh, is, uh, is uh, it's a Buckfast... Uh, um abbey somewhere in like um right across the english channel from um from france in england like right on that southwest tip of the island of england and uh but since it's a tonic buckfast is a tonic um and not considered like a liqueur or a uh or or fortified wine it's it's sold in um in uh in pharmacies <laughs> instead, oh, wow. of, instead of like liquor stores or off license in, in the uk so you can get them on um sundays you can get them midday because for the longest time i remember uh in the uk at least uh like liquor stores had different two shifts during the day so they would close they would open in the morning and then close for lunch and then reopen after lunch and if if you're trying to get like some booze, you're going to a soccer game, you're trying to get some freaking booze, you're walking down the street, liquor store is closed, you go into the pharmacy, you get Buckfast, and Boom. you pound it before you get in. It's like, do you remember what it tastes like? Yeah, kind of like uh, a cross. Mm, it's like a cross between bubblegum, like Big League Chew, because <laughs> it's very because it's very sweet, uh-huh. but also kind of like uh, like a pickled apricot and bubblegum like a pickled apricot and bubblegum <laughs> it's pickle. horrible dude it's fucking horrible but it gets the job done it, is it sweetened yeah. with honey do you think or i don't sugar? know dude it's probably just sugar, what are those monks making kicker, it sounds like they're the making bubblegum water a bottle of buck a bottle of buckfast has something like 350 milligrams of caffeine in it too they they tried to ban it in the UK, but uh, because it's uh, because it's uh, classified as a health tonic, uh, the government's having the biggest fucking problem getting getting it re-regulated or, or taken down, and it's been around forever. the The guys at the at the uh, at the monastery will not back down. 
uh, because it, they're making so much money uh, off of it. <laughs> wow, but dude! Like no shit in like it's it's like the thing in Scotland. You don't really see it much anywhere else in the UK or Europe at all. But in Scotland, it's fucking everywhere. In fact, something like 40, 45% of violent crimes in Scotland have been attributed to Buckfast health. Uh, when, you start, when you start mixing caffeine and dude. booze, bad things happen. I've seen it, you know. When yeah, I, bar, I worked at in college, people were doing the Jaeger bombs and all that, and it was just never, it just didn't work out. And what else? Well, well Sparks, Sparks was the thing here in the in the United States. Yeah, they, they like uh, they regulated it, and then Sparks kind of stuck around for a little while, but but they had to like change the formula or something like that. There was another one here. Well, let me tell you, um, let me tell you a little something about. Because uh, I know you're trying to hijack the Benedictine shots with this uh, Belsnickel liqueur or whatever you call it. <laughs> Buck Snort. Buck fast. <laughs> I can't wait to try that stuff. It was like, uh, you think people are making the, cocktails with it over there? I don't. I don't. Yeah. I mean, I would want to cut cut it with something to make it less less sugary. I remember, Dang. like, yeah, people called it like uh, a bottle of fight, like bottle of fight the world. I'm gonna go get a bottle of fight the world. <laughs> That's hilarious. I've got okay. I've got you want to talk about Benedictine monks. I've got yeah. um, a really interesting piece from KCUR eighty nine three, Atchison, Kansas. They did this piece about the day in the life of these Benedictine monks that live there in Kansas, and uh, they have a, a really nice monastery out there. They started a college there in eighteen fifty seven. Today, they've got about 40 monks living at that abbey on a nice hill that overlooks uh, the college and the Missouri River. They live much the same way that Benedictine monks have lived at uh, St. Benedict of Nursia when they established the order in the 6th century. And basically, in the evening, at 5 o'clock, they go to Mass, they do their communion, they do prayers and singing, they eat dinner later on after that. Um, though they don't take a vow of silence, they eat dinner in silence. They eat breakfast in silence as well. Um, but after dinner, same. not my son. My Are son likes there? to talk and eat at the same time. Mostly talk. He's like a lady, lady who lunches. But uh, then they retreat. after dinner, they retreat to the living room for some conversation or reading. At seven, they make their way back to church for vespers. For cocktails. A very meditative, <laughs> right? <laughs> a very meditative service. At night, things are pretty chill. You know, they go to bed early and stuff. At, at In the morning at 6 a.m., they rise. There are morning prayers. They are, there's breakfast, usually some homemade sourdough for breakfast. Mm. And uh, right here it says, you know, middle of the day, Father Ralph and Brother Tim make a little trip to Walmart, pick up supplies. And everybody at the local Walmart there just loves them because these, uh, these monks apparently have a real wry sense of humor. They're, they go to Walmart for grape nuts, batteries, and deodorant. Um, among other things. And uh, in the afternoon, these monks might sit down. I thought this was interesting. They might sit down and read the Wall Street Journal. And uh, though 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 kind of surprising, they do love to keep their finger on the pulse of the world, what's going on locally, what's going on nationally and internationally. And uh, so really interesting, these Benedictine monks in Kansas. Now, I got two of my favorite cocktails. Before I hear some of your creative Benedictine cocktails, Kenneth, 
I got two cocktails for our listeners. One is the Widow's Kiss, which we have talked about going way back a couple years ago on the Calvados episode. And you could make a Widow's Kiss with apple brandy if you want, but it's basically four ingredients, all of high caliber. We're talking you do an ounce of Calvados or apple brandy. You do an ounce of Benedictine or a little less. Some people like to do like a half ounce, three quarter ounce. We love Benedictine. We're going to do a full ounce. Then you could do a full ounce of yellow chartreuse, another of our made-by-monks liqueurs. One dash of Angostura, you stir that up, and you have an elegant flavor bomb of a cocktail. Stir that up, serve it up. I love that drink. Another one, the Vucare, which we probably need to do you know, a, 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 an episode about at some point. Vucare is kind of important, I feel like, in the last 10 years because it was one of those drinks that people got serious about eight years ago or so. It started to become popular. People are looking, starting to look back at Sazerac and some of those drinks from New Orleans. Vucare was one that definitely popped up. And you need Benedictine for this because Benedictine really, the mixture of Benedictine and cognac or brandy in a Vucare is really what sets it off and makes it really special uh, blending the herb- herbaceous flavor of Benedictine with the sweet vermouth and rye whiskey. A simple recipe we could give for a Vucare, you could do one ounce of rye whiskey, one ounce of cognac. Yeah, this is a booze bomb. Three quarter ounce of an Italian sweet vermouth, and then like a quarter ounce of Benedictine. Then do some bitters, say two dashes of Angostura. A lot of people like to do a couple dashes of Angostura and a dash of Pecho. You basically stir that up and you uh, strain it into a rocks glass with a couple of big ice cubes or one big ice cube, or you can also serve it up. A lot of people like to serve it up. You can garnish that with a cherry, orange twist, orange peel. A lot of people do creative versions of of the Vucare where uh, they'll add like coffee liqueur is a common one. Um, Man, imagine if we still had that Benedictine coffee. Could make some really cool Vucare's with that. Oh, splash, of course, splash, uh, splash champagne on Vucare. Oh, yeah. Vucare Royale. Anyone? Yeah. That sounds amazing. But this was a, a cocktail that came out of the late 30s in New Orleans. That was a very worldly cocktail. Came out of the Hotel Monteleone, which a lot of great drinks have come out of there. Um, Vucare meaning the old square in French, and it refers to New Orleans French Quarter neighborhood. And just a worldly mixture at the time of uh, liqueur from France, vermouth from Italy, rye whiskey from America, and uh, brandy or cognac from France. So those are two incredible drinks I encourage you to make at home. Kenneth, how, how do you get creative with Benedictine? Run, run down a drink for me where you reach for it and you're, you're getting creative with a guest. You mean like talking too much? This is one, one drink that I've always made and you've seen me make it like a thousand times and I don't... I, I know that I didn't come up with it. I learned it from someone at some point. But my buddy Craig Blankenship, who was the general manager at the Kyber Pass Pub in Philadelphia, uh-huh. really dug this blend that I did with uh, rye whiskey, Benedictine, yellow chartreuse, and lemon juice. Splash of champagne in there, of course. It's me. But... uh Equal parts of rye whiskey, uh, yellow chartreuse, Benedictine, lemon juice, which also can you can um, you can you can do that with gin as well instead of rye whiskey. I've actually done it uh, Guns and Roses style with rye whiskey 
and gin split evenly, mm. but then equal parts everything else. Damn. Uh, yeah, yeah. Guns Sounds and Roses great. style, meaning uh, whiskey and gin in the same cocktail. Yeah, that's GNR style. That's a little uh, nugget you're dropping on the listeners. I like that. But also, also at home, dude. Just uh, in my coffee. Not necessarily my morning coffee, um, but happy hour coffee. Yeah, like post post lunch or post dinner coffee. Just like an ounce of Benedictine instead of because uh, I usually put honey in my in my coffee if I sweeten it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Benedictine works uh, a lot better. And it's not as invasive as of a honey liqueur is because I'm not going to be seen dead carrying. Well, if I'm dead, I'm not going to be carrying. I mean, you know what I mean. Uh, Drambuie is right off the table. Like, I'm not going to fuck with that because it's a little too sweet, too much honey. But Benedictine with the heavy herbal herbal back end mm-hmm. um, is, is perfect for like bitter, dark coffee that I'm drinking. That's great. Yeah, Benedictine also, you make a point that uh, it would be great after dinner. It would be great in uh, dessert drinks. And when people ask me, what does Benedictine taste like? It's usually like, well, picture that you were drinking whiskey or brandy and then you fell asleep like in the woods and you woke up in the early morning and the smells outside. That's kind of what Benedictine tastes like. Tastes like you woke up in the forest. And it it doesn't exactly taste like it smells either. I think sometimes when I smell it, it actually smells like a, like a mirepoix, like kind of like like those, um, not necessarily like baking spices. And even though there's like baking spices in there, like you were saying, like mace and, or, or nutmeg, but um, but yeah, it t- it kind of smells like a Thanksgiving kitchen when everything is everything's in the oven, everything's on the stovetop. It just kind of reminds me of the smell of like celery and onions and peppers all blended up and in the atmosphere wow well we love it we encourage you to experiment with it um the tie-in to actual benedictine monks is really more marketing and there's an article that uh, i think it was slate or daily beast did calling out um the benedictine the fake benedictine uh monk marketing story so it's kind of interesting that monks could be used for marketing even in this day but I guess that's the search for authenticity. And uh, we we encourage you to check it out and uh, give it a try. I think you'll love it in cocktails of all kinds. And that's Benedictine. We've got a lot more to come on Monks of March. Find us on uh, weownthistown.net and check out all the podcasts and the music show at We Own This Town Podcast Network. Shout out to Michael Eads, our producer. Thank you, Michael. Upright T-Rex music for the tunes. Jess Matchup for the logo. Again, look for the Liquid Gold book. Cheer, a Liquid Gold holiday drinking guide coming, I believe it's October 26th is what we're looking at right now for the uh, for the release date. So we've got more info to come on that and lots more Monk-related content here. Monks of March, we've got chartreuse, we've got some beers to cover, plenty of recipes to come. And we are really looking forward to diving into Chartreuse. We'll have Milo Rodriguez in tow. Milo was a UK a rep for uh, Chartreuse in the UK and has tons of amazing info on it and recipes and probably one of the best bartenders that ever came through Nashville. Um, he's, he's pretty good, dude. And uh, dude, I can't wait to... I haven't heard his voice in like over a year, so or a year, maybe two years, so... We are recording this on the year 
anniversary of the March 2020 tornado that uh, ripped through the heart of Nashville and Putnam County. And uh, man, it's been a crazy year. I mean, I can remember that day, the cleanup, yeah, and then Na- the pandemic Nash- came. Nashville kicked it off uh, a little earlier than everyone else. Right. But you know, Nashville, Nashville's strong. Everybody came together. There is still a lot of cleanup work going on and the five points. We've gotten this far through the pandemic, Kenneth, but it just it's one of those things that makes you appreciate, you know, appreciate life and you got to try to enjoy enjoy every day you can. That's right. Knock on plywood. All right. Well, love you, buddy. It was great doing shots with you again and um, look forward to uh, drinking some chartreuse with you here soon. Likewise, Mike. My name's Mike Wolf. We look forward to more shots with you this spring. And I'm Kenneth Dedman, signing out. And we'll see you next time right here on Liquid Gold. Later, Tater.